Sunday, February the 21st. Welcome to this Burlington Audio Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and inspired in your faith as you listen to this message. We'd love to hear what you think. Please be in touch with us through the website. More information and many more podcasts are all at burlingtonbaptist.org.uk. Thanks for listening. So here we are again, the reset. This is number four in the series and I'd really encourage you to catch up on the previous ones because we're trying to build a picture. A picture of what God said and what God called his people to when they were powered down, when they experienced a lockdown of their own. You see, at the heart of the Old Testament is this big moment called the exile, when the people of God were completely powered down. They were stripped of all their usual gatherings, rhythms, routines, and they were taken to a very different place and experienced a very different culture. But God used that opportunity to reset them in his mission or for his mission in the world. And could it be that God is using our lockdown, our moment of being powered down? It's not in any sense that the church has stopped or ceases to function, but we have been powered down in terms of our usual rhythms and gatherings and so on. Could it be that God is using our time of lockdown to reset us as his people for his mission in uh, the world? So we're trying to learn what God said and how God helped the people at the heart of the Old Testament to see what God might be saying and how God might help us during our own day in this particular time. And as you heard me say at the beginning, it was such an important moment at the heart of the Old Testament. So many of the books of the Old Testament are devoted to this particular series. The great heavyweights, Isaiah, Ezekiel and Jeremiah, were all speaking at different times during this reset process. And also so many other perhaps less well-known books, Obadiah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai and so on. They were also speaking into this time, which I guess reminds all of us that it was a very significant moment. And so maybe for us, maybe this moment of lockdown, our own powering down, is a very significant moment of God resetting us as his people. So there we are, the reset. We've spent three weeks in the book of Isaiah, listening in to what God was saying to them and what God would say to us about we're all in. When God resets his people, it includes all of us together and you and me as individuals. And last week we were reminded that we need to know at the heart of it all that God loves us, that God's for us. Now for the next six weeks, In this period of Lent, journeying towards Easter, we're going to look at a very important message that God spoke to those people through the prophet Ezekiel. He painted them a picture, a vision of the future. You see, they had begun to think, maybe like us, there is no future, there is no hope. But in that place of despair and hopelessness, God painted a picture of the temple restored, the temple rebuilt, the temple uh, uh, reconstituted, 
the temple, uh, not only as it was before, but the temple better than it was before. And this picture of the temple, the heart of their life, their church, if you like, the centre of gravity for their life together and their mission in the world, is what Ezekiel focuses on, particularly around chapter 47. And it's a tremendous picture of what it means to be the people of God, reset for and on his mission in uh, the world. A vision, can you remember, we said a few weeks ago, is a picture of the future that inspires hope. Hope not just in the future, but it inspires hope in the present. And I totally understand that these are very difficult days that we're going through right now. And we're longing for them to come to an end. And we're not ignoring our current reality. But we are thinking about the future into which God calls us. Because we believe that that will give hope for us today in the present. Because there is a future and there is a hope. You will also know, if you've been part of the Burlington family for a while, that these verses in Ezekiel 47 are kind of the biblical scriptural foundation or backdrop to uh, what God's been saying to us over so many years about our own vision for us as a Burlington family. And you will have seen this particular picture, this uh, graphic painted illustration of the life that God is calling us too. So have that in your minds, even as we begin today in Ezekiel chapter 47. I want you to notice that this picture that Ezekiel is giving them of the temple restored, of the heart of the church, of the heart of their mission, uh, their centre of gravity for their mission, uh, rebuilt and re-established. There is this image, this metaphor of a river. He doesn't literally mean that a river is going to flow through uh, the temple, although that would be pretty cool. But the the river was a was a symbol, a metaphor for the life of God. Can you remember that in the Garden of Eden there were rivers that flowed through, bringing life to the garden? At the end, in the rebuilt, restored uh, heaven and earth in Revelation, there is a river that flows through the centre, the river of life, bringing life to all who is near and uh, and around it. Because in the scriptures. The river or water is often a a symbol, a sign of the life of God. And that was certainly true during this period of reset in the Old Testament. Isaiah talked about being able to draw from the wells of salvation. And Jeremiah talked about the springs of living water. And of course, Jesus himself, didn't he? He talked about the life of God in this way. He said, whoever believes in me and drinks this water will never be thirsty again. In fact, streams or rivers of life-giving water will flow from within him. So at the heart of the church, at the heart of the temple, at the heart of the reset, restored, powered up people of God is the river of life, is the life of God itself. And Ezekiel 47 is addressing some really important questions about the life of God for God's reset people. Firstly, where can that life of God be found? 
Secondly, where does the life of God, if it's a river, where does it flow? Where does it go? Where is the river of God headed? And thirdly, how can I be filled, immersed in this river, in this life of God. So that's the journey that we're going to be on over these coming weeks as we head towards Easter. To start today, I want you to notice just one utterly central and significant thing about the river, about the life of God. And that's this. It flows from the altar. At the heart of the temple was the altar where they would sacrifice. And the sacrifices were so important because they were the means, the mechanism that God had given them in order for them to have their sins forgiven, in order for them to be put right with him as a constant reminder that they were utterly dependent upon him. And so they would sacrifice year after year, indeed, week after week, day after day in the temple. And we know that that wasn't actually the real deal. You see, we know that the Old Testament sacrifices were a sign. They were pointing towards the day when ultimately Jesus himself would be the sacrifice on our behalf. And so John the Baptist would say, pointing to Jesus, he'd say, hey, look, there's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see, the Old Testament sacrifices were in the end not the real deal, but they were pointing towards the day when Jesus would be the perfect sacrifice on our behalf. The life of God flows from the sacrifice of Jesus himself. That's where the life of God is found, which is why Paul would say in the New Testament, we only preach Christ and him crucified. That's where it starts. Without the sacrifice of Jesus, none of it makes sense. None of it is possible. None of it is available to us. That not only does God love us, what we looked at last week, but he's also actually in time and space done something super real and very tangible about it it, by dying for us on the cross. And so Paul would say, do you know what? I'm not ashamed of the cross, the gospel, because it's the power of God for salvation. And so as we look at this vision that God gave Ezekiel, we are reminded that the life of God flows from the altar. That it's all about Jesus's rescue of us. That's what the cross means. Jesus rescues us from our lostness. Once we were lost without God, but through the cross, we can be found. The cross is about rescue. But the cross is not just about rescue. The cross is about reconciliation. Not only has the cross rescued us from sin and death and sickness and disease and everything that's decaying about this current world. The cross is also the place where God has reconciled us, brought us back into relationship with him. 
So rescue, reconciliation, but also the cross is the place where God in Jesus restores all things. What started as a garden will end as a great city. We are being restored and that city has a river, the life of God flowing at its centre. So it's all about Jesus and his death on the cross. And there is no mission without that. There is no people of God without that reality. And so everything we do, all that we are, needs to flow from the altar, needs to flow from the reality that God so loved us that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have life, the river of life, life eternal flowing within them. And so whatever else we're going to know and think and believe and understand about what God is resetting us around. He's resetting us around the altar, his death and his resurrection. You see, there's also a fourth truth about the cross. It's not just about rescue and uh, reconciliation and restoration. The cross is also about revelation. It reveals God's heart for those who are lost. Jesus said, I've come to seek and to save those who are lost. Whatever lies at the heart of God's reset people, it is an overwhelming passion for those who are lost. The Bible talks about us being lost without God, people without God who are lost. That's the passion that needs to burn in our hearts for our neighbours, our friends, our families, our work colleagues, for, for lost people to be found. That was the heart of God that meant that Jesus left the safety and security of heaven to live as a human being, to suffer all the things, to be tempted in all the ways that we are, and then to die a death on our behalf because of God's passion for lost people. This is why I've come, said Jesus, to seek and to save the lost. So when God resets his people, His life will always flow from the altar. Because at the heart of what God is doing when he powers us back up is to give us a passion for all those who are lost. And so we're beginning to see this picture of God restoring his church, rebuilding his temple. But it begins with the reality of the cross and God's passion for all who are lost. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that at the heart of our faith is Jesus. At the heart of our faith is not just Jesus talking about his love for us, 
But at the heart of our faith is the demonstration that Christ died on our behalf. Christ took my place. He stood in the gap. He stretched between heaven and earth. The Son of God became the Son of Man that we, the sons of men, might become sons of God. We thank you that at the heart of our faith is the cross, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that will always be at the centre. That's where the life of God comes from. It flows from the altar. And as you reset us as your people, would you give us through this journey of Lent a fresh revelation of the cross, a fresh understanding of all that you have done and achieved for us and a fresh revelation of your heart for all those who are lost, that you've come to seek and to save the lost and you are calling us, your people, your church, as you reset us, as you repower us or reboot us, that we might carry that same passion for all who are lost, that we might leave the 99 in search of the one, that we might leave our heaven for the reality of earth, that we might cross the street, our offices, our our neighbourhoods, whatever it might be, carrying this passion that is in your heart for all who are lost, for all who are outside of your kingdom. Thank you that you came to seek and to save the lost. And as the Father sent you, so now you will send us to be those who in your name seek and save all who are lost. So we thank you that your cross lies at the very heart of our life together. The cross lies at the very heart of the mission to which you've called us. And at the very centre of the temple, the river of life flowed from the altar because at the very centre of our life together, the river of God flows from the cross of Jesus. So we thank you. And we ask that you would give us, your people, that perspective. And so we pray today for all those who are on our hearts, in our minds. We pray for all those that we know and love in this lockdown season. In this time of struggle, of anxiety, of depression, of despair. Would you give us and them a picture of the future that we will know afresh the life of God that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ? We thank you that that was the vision that you gave to the people of Ezekiel's day. We thank you that it's the same vision that you give us thousands of years later. Because of that moment in history when Christ died once and for all. Give us thankful hearts. 
in Jesus' name. Amen.